Hello, everyone. Um, this week's guest is Morgan Spatola. She is a podcaster and artist and performer. We have a, an excellent talk about anxiety and depression and being supportive to those who have it. I'm sorry about the roughness of the quality right now. Um, it, it'll get better. I'm moving houses, and so I don't have my studio set up quite yet. Um, if you want to support this program and all the other programs we have at Wayward Wordsmith, you can go to patreon.com slash waywardwordsmiths and donate there. If you have an interest in seeing what I'm doing in New York City, you can go to www.tristanjmiller.com for upcoming shows and also other things. Also, I recently have started doing a video essay series about mental health in the media, and it's called Mental Health in the Media. You can go to the Wayward Wordsmiths YouTube page to view those. Without further ado, here is Morgan. Hi, Morgan. How are you? I'm good. How are you today? Um, I'm hot. It's too hot in New York, but um, <laughs> it's just it's balls. Um, but where are you calling from again? Can you remind me where you're at? Phoenix, Arizona. So I have no right to complain. Yes, I was just about to call you on that. Because um, it's probably like 110 degrees already over here. It's only 10 a.m. So um, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for meeting me so early in the morning. For me, it's mid-afternoon. But I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Um, so you do a podcast, right? Yes. And it's, uh, like a film guide sort of thing, right? Yeah, Can more or less. Can you talk a little less. bit about that? Yeah, so my, my whole thing is I'm completely stupid when it comes to pop culture and, <laughs> okay. like, recent anything. People will be like, who does that song? And I'm like, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen most movies. I didn't watch TV growing up. Um, so my, my best friend Thomas, um, is the opposite. He's obsessed with film. He wants to be a filmmaker. Um, so often we would have conversations like, oh, you know, you know, in that movie, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what that movie is. You know, and he's like, are you serious? You've never seen that movie? So the example I always like to give is this past December, I watched Home Alone for the first time ever. And I'm 25 years old. So that's like, amazing. Not great. Yeah. So, um, so that's what we do. So he'll come up with a list every single episode of movies that I should have seen. Um, mm-hmm. And then I'll tell him whether or not I've seen them and usually it's not a surprise but sometimes we come up with some good ones where it's like are you serious right now mm-hmm. and then um and then we'll pick one and we'll watch it we'll review it so mm-hmm. um that's that's pretty much the whole premise so it's really fun that's, yeah that sounds really fun yeah um why didn't you watch tv growing up um just because we did a lot of other stuff like we were really like my family is the busiest family i know probably Mm -hmm. so my mom was always taking us places um you know the uh like the zoo or the botanical gardens or going to the library or whatever. So we just didn't mm-hmm. didn't watch TV. It just wasn't a thing. I mean, we had cable and everything, but like we just never watched TV. I don't know. It just wasn't part of it. So That's fair. So it wasn't like a religious thing or anything like that? Mm-mm. Not at all. No, we're just too busy for that. <laughs> <laughs> So that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. How did you start doing podcasting? Um, well, I got really into listening to them when I worked at a bakery, actually. Um, and it was technically it was my bakery. My my family um, bought it and I ran the whole thing. Okay. Um, wow. Which is like a whole nother story, I suppose. But um, <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. That's a lot of things you just said at me. <laughs> yeah, I know. 
so so I ran the bakery and I had to get there at five in the morning and I was there for two mm -hmm. hours alone making all the yeah. bread and doing everything in the morning and it was like deadly quiet so I was trying to find something to do I'm not in the music you know the pop culture thing um, mm -hmm. so I found podcasts and I started listening to podcasts and then as soon as I was listening to them I was like I need to do this and it took me several mm -hmm. years and now I finally do one which is exciting we've almost been doing it for a year now so wow, um, that's great yeah so yeah I just like was like that's something I have to get into but how you know mm -hmm. <laughs> coming up with the premise is the whole thing <laughs> yeah that is the whole bit and it has to be something that you can do regularly uh -huh. otherwise ugh. like i really appreciate people who do like a radio drama podcast because i could never produce that regularly yeah yeah me either <laughs> um so you did you manage the bakery or are you a baker what did you go to school for so i did go to culinary school so i went okay. to um i went to a four-year college like everyone else but i dropped out um, okay. I was like super depressed, uh, and mm -hmm. couldn't, couldn't handle it anymore. And I remember at one point, um, I was, so I was the, um, the president of this club on campus. We had our own office and I was like sitting in the office reading a recipe book. And I was like, God, I just love food so much. I just like burst out with that. And someone sitting next to me was like, why don't you just go to culinary school? And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, why not? You know, why don't I do that? So yeah, why don't I? Was I like do you, that you make an excellent point. So I, mm -hmm. um, you know, I did my research and then I called my mom and said, "Sorry, I'm dropping out of school." So I um, mm -hmm. dropped out. I went to a, two, uh, sorry, it was a one-year program um, at a community college back home, and uh, got my certificate in culinary arts. And at that point, I probably worked in food service for like seven years anyway. Um, mm -hmm. So that's what I did, and uh, and that was that. And so then, right before I graduated, my my dad, who had owned restaurants and stuff ever since I was little, was like, "Hey, there's a bakery for sale. Like, why don't I just buy it for you?" And I thought that was a good idea. So yeah. that was pretty special. But then it kind of like didn't end up working out, which is okay. Um, yeah. But. Uh, yeah, so then I just ran a bakery for like nine months, and yeah. it was fun. <laughs> what was that like, though? Like, how hard was that? What was... Oh, like, it was I've exhausting. Never... Oh, yeah, yeah, no, it was super hard. I mean, running restaurants isn't something that I am that I was not used to. I'd been in management and stuff, and um, I went on to do like three or four more years in food service before I like quit doing that. So I, even though I'm young, I can say I've had like a full career in food service and I'm done with sure. it. Um, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I loved it. I had to get up really early, do, you know, make all the stuff, but I would always get really excited with myself by the time I was done producing everything for the day. Cause I'd be like, Oh my God, there was no bread here before. And I made the mm -hmm. bread and now there's bread in the world where it didn't exist before. And that was like <laughs> always a really cool feeling. Like, that's the only way to describe it. Yeah. It was always a really cool feeling though. And um, yeah. And so, you know, had to do all that, but then it was kind of, uh, you know, so it was exciting for the creative aspect, right? Yeah. I was able to just make changes to the menu if I felt like it. And if we had extra time, we would just kind of mess around and come up with a new pastry, stuff like that. Um, but then it was also really hard because like when you're in charge, everything falls on you. So mm -hmm. we like, we had, our, our clientele base was very particular. Uh, for instance, when we took over the bakery, um, I decided that we were going to start cutting our sandwiches diagonally. This mm -hmm. is like, this is like such a mundane thing I'm telling you right now. Yeah. But, because I was like, that just looks better. That's just how we're going to cut the sandwiches. You're, you are correct. Diagonally looks better. <laughs> Thank you. Always has. So, we had someone, a customer come in, 
who uh, supposedly was a longtime customer, I'd never seen her before, and she complained mm-hmm. and said, why yeah. are you cutting the sandwiches like this now? And I was like, why not? <laughs> like, it's just an aesthetic thing. It doesn't matter. And she was it's very the same amount of sandwich. It. Yeah, she was super mad that we cut the sandwiches different. So it was like one of those things where I was like, I hear you. Like you're a customer, and you're like telling me this, but like also, what are you even talking about right now? You know, like why am I spending my time talking about this? So then it was like you had to treat all of those types of comments and complaints and stuff with the same amount of you know civility more or less because you're in charge and i'm like what what are you talking about so it it just got really grating after a while that Um, absolutely makes sense yeah for sure and then the location wasn't super great so um we weren't making very much business and it just ended Mm -hmm. up being better to sell it which i'm totally okay with like it wasn't i don't regret that or anything like that so Mm. um but it was it was a fun time i miss it a lot I really mm-hmm. do. So, you were talking uh, a bit about the creative aspect of of baking and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, was your original degree in the creative arts? Have you always been a creative person? I've always been a creative person, but my original degree was not in creative arts, which I regret. Okay. I think I would have been happier yeah. in college, maybe, if I did. Um, some kind of creative degree, but I was trying to be mm-hmm. practical. Everyone tells you that you have to go be practical. And sure. so I was like, I'll get a psychology degree, um, which is right what everyone does. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So, but like ever since I was young, like all, like we were always doing something creative, like, you know, there was always like an art project out on the table to work on or, you know, oh, I'm interested in this thing. And so my mom said, okay, go do it. You know, um, very supportive of that. So it was like very much something that's always been ingrained in me mm-hmm. um, is just creating stuff and pursuing my interests in a way to like, just kind of pursue it till you're done being interested in it. So in that oh, regard, yeah. I'm kind of like all over the place, I think, but it's not sure. such a bad thing. Um, So I do a lot of stuff, but it's just because my mom was always like, yeah, you can do that. Absolutely. Anything's possible. So, yeah, Um, my parents were very similar. Like, oh, yeah, try your hand at writing, try acting, try all this stuff. And just like, see if you like it. Yeah. See if you can get good at it, too. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you find it hard? Because I know I did. Um, Did you find it hard when you became like an adult to keep that same amount of creativity going and did you find yourself getting anxious or depressed based off of like not being able to make things as much because you had to work at a job as opposed to you know just kind of hanging out as a yeah kid? yeah I mean I think so and I think also when you become an adult there's kind of a pressure to be like well just pick your thing already what's sure. the thing that you do why do you do so many things you can't do all the things you know mm-hmm. and and I've had people tell me that well you can't do everything and I'm like, watch me. <laughs> but, um, yeah. like, I will. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that that's something that, um, you know, I've struggled with, but I'm finding a balance with it now, um, thankfully. Um, mm-hmm. And I was in a rut for a really long time. I'm just kind of like working and, and, you know, just being on my grind and then just like sitting on the couch at night, you know, and doing nothing afterwards and then just being, feeling really unfulfilled about it. So, Mm -hmm. um, but I think that changed a lot when um, 
I started dancing, uh, which again, just some interest that I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, I just want to go do this now. So that was something that I started doing. And then, um, you know, you sign up for lessons and you're expected to show up. So it forced me yeah. to get up off the couch and show up. I already paid for it. I have to be there, um, which was really good. Yeah. So being forced to go do something was, it was great. Mm -hmm. um, but I think about that a lot as an adult, like, you're not expected to have extracurricular activities. Whereas yeah. as a kid, it's like, oh, are you in music class? You do sports, whatever, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as you're an adult, it's like, okay, go do your job and that's it now. And I think mm -hmm. that's really sad. I think it's okay to have extracurricular activities, you know? I, yeah, I absolutely agree. I think it's really important to having like what's known as a hobby, you know, right? something to do <laughs> exactly. that makes you happy. Yeah. That's not your job. And a lot of people are like, well, why? What are you going to do with that? And I'm like, just, I just want to, you know? Yeah. I just want to. It doesn't have to it be anything. Makes me so. feel good. Yeah, inside. exactly. Yes. It's relaxing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think I found, at least in my life, kind of painting yourself into a corner, like the way you described, of like, of making, like, paying money to do something is a good way to do things because mm -hmm. it makes you, like, oh, well, I invested something that means something besides time. In yeah. It yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's really smart. Um, so you started dancing, and what kind of dancing do you do then? I am a burlesque dancer. Oh, very cool. Thank you. Um, I've been doing that for four years. Uh -huh. I've traveled to different states to do it. Mm -hmm. um, I've participated in competitions now. Mm -hmm. Um and I did teach it for a little bit. I'm kind of on a hiatus from that where I, mm -hmm. well, I figure out where I'm going next. But um, sure. yeah, it's just, I went to a show and it was just like with everything else I see. I, I went to a show and I said, I want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and I was yeah. like, I could do that. They're doing mm -hmm. that. That's easy. You know, and so mm -hmm. I, it's not easy, but that's what I thought at the time. So right. I, um, as soon as I was able to, which was like maybe three years after I saw that first show, I looked up classes and I started taking classes. And that was, yeah. that was it, you know? Um, and it's just, it's been something really wonderful to be a part of. Um, that like I didn't expect it to be so magical I guess yeah. um because you you know like I don't know I just didn't realize that like getting naked on stage was going to be such a big deal I guess mm -hmm. and so um learning to do that did change me I think in a way and, and it's not like I ever struggled with feeling confident but it made mm -hmm. me feel more confident and then yeah. watching my my peers at the dance studio you know go through these like transformations of like learning how to be um you know more confident women by learning how to take their clothes off yeah. was just like a really profound thing to witness so it's something that i really care deeply about um and then later being able to teach people that confidence has always been something that i'm like really grateful that i had the opportunity to do mm -hmm. um but it's great it's really fun <laughs> so far i've stayed on the west coast because yeah. um, it's cheaper, but yes, <laughs> they all make it out to the sense. East Coast. My dad lives in Maryland, yeah. so I keep thinking I yeah. can go there as like a base of operations and do like a tour mm -hmm. around the East Coast, but mm -hmm. I don't know how to like explain to my dad that I'm just using him for his house, <laughs> so I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Um, are, your, um, are your parents still together, or what's the deal there? No, um, and they never were. Um, they were together oh. like until I was like maybe a year old. So I don't ever remember that being a time. Mm -hmm. um, sure. And yeah, so and my dad's married um, to, to a really nice lady. Um, they've been married for like 15 years or something now. And, um, mm -hmm. and they have two kids 
and everything's great. They live in Maryland. And then my mom lives back here and she got married and now she's going through a divorce. So it's like, mm -hmm. everything was fine and now everything's a little bit crazy in Arizona, but that's okay. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like it, like it happens, you know? Yeah. So. Well, I mean, there's that, the Louis C.K. bit of like, divorce is never like a, a negative thing. It means two people realized, oh, we shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah and I think it's more reasonable than people want. But um, I was going to ask you, like, what would, like, but since it happened so early on, what was it like growing up having, like, two coastal parents and that sort of thing? Did you, like, make trips out? What was oh, that Oh, like? well, so my dad actually lived in Arizona until I was, like, 20-something. So oh, cool. it was, like, it was fine. Um, okay. And even though, and, like, props to my parents because they, like, I never knew that they didn't get along. Like, and so that's really good. <laughs> like. Yeah. My dad, like, hate, like he loves my mom, but he hates my mom. You know, like, sure. it's, you know, like, like you do, I guess, when your ex is mm -hmm. with someone but have a kid with them. But, like, um, <laughs> not that I'm familiar with that at all. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, like, I, I never knew. Like, my dad even, um, like, rented a house from my mom and stepdad. Like, huh. yeah, like, it was, like, very intertwined still, even though they yeah. weren't together. So, um he was always really close by like for a long time i could just walk to his house like in the same neighborhood yeah. and and that was great so we were um you know able to stay really close especially when i was a kid because i didn't have a choice he would just come pick me up on the weekends and that was that sure. you know and then as soon as i was a little bit older it was like i had i had to make an effort um mm -hmm. which is fine and then um yeah but then now he he moved to maryland a few years ago maybe like five or six years ago, I think now. And so, and mm -hmm. I've probably been out once a year since. So, cause it gets kind of expensive, but to sure. his credit, he moved out and then said, I'll pay for your plane tickets. Mm. So I was like, all right, well, that's, that's nice of you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, do you think um, growing up in that environment affected your view of relationships at all? Oh, absolutely. Um, my, uh, like, I, I mean, I think I was the only kid I knew whose parents weren't together when I was growing up, you know? And it was very much like, like I remember having conversations with people where I was like, well, my mom and dad aren't married. And they like, people would be like, well, you have to be married to have kids. <laughs> and I'd be like, well, my mom and dad never got married. So I don't know what to tell you, like other five-year-old. Yeah, yeah, so, and I remember mm -hmm. asking my dad, are you sure you guys weren't married before? And then he, he would get mad. And so he started like, spinning off this tale about yeah we were married and um you know you won't find anything from the wedding because it all got lost in the fire and, da, da, da. and then he just was like just like complete like bullshit he was like there was a powder blue tuxedo and all the farm animals and i'm like what are you talking about farm animals so like that was his way of just being like like you're being ridiculous you know yeah, and it's yeah, yeah. like that's just like his style so um mm -hmm. You know, and then, so that's, like, always been the ongoing joke of, like, yeah, we lost everything in the fire or whatever, but, um, but, yeah, it was weird, yeah, growing up like that, because, like, not until I was, I don't know, maybe in middle school, were people more, like, normal about your parents not being together, you know, but, like, as kids, mm -hmm. it's, like, you have such, like, a, like, a concrete worldview, if anything threatens that, you have to, like, make these weird mental leaps in order to make it fit in your little worldview i think sometimes so yeah. um yeah it was it was different but i don't know that always stuck with me so i always knew that like yeah relationships or like being married wasn't everything and relationships could be whatever you made up of them i guess um 
So I think it definitely affected that. <laughs> but did it also like affect when you started dating and, and that sort of thing? Did it affect your view on how to proceed forward with relationships that way? I mean, maybe, maybe not so much as like a teenager. I don't think that it was like in my head, but like mm -hmm. as an adult, like definitely, you know, like I'm married now um, and, mm -hmm. and I've been with my wife for um, seven years. We haven't been married for seven years, but we've been together for seven years. And so, you know, we've, mm -hmm. we've definitely had a more, what I like to think of is like mature view of like what our relationship should look like because of sure. the way my family's relationships have worked out, you know, and, and hers too. I mean, her parents are still together, but it's not like what, it's not like an ideal situation. Um, and so I think that because of that, we're like a little bit disillusioned, like, yeah, we're married, but like, we need to also keep it real and like communicate about what's going on and stuff like that so that we don't, I don't know, maybe end up like our parents. And also we know that nothing is permanent. So um, yeah. if that makes sense. So we've, yeah. we've been very realistic about it um, and it feels very healthy mm -hmm. in that way, so. Yeah, that's a certain level, I feel like a certain level of pragmatism you get from just like, well, this is how adults yeah. are. <laughs> you know what <laughs> exactly. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and can I ask of like, oh, what it was like growing up like with the parental situation and then also realizing that you were, um, I assume like some form of queer is that I would assume how you I do identify as queer. Yeah, person. no, thank you. Um, I, I do identify as queer and that's like another funny thing is my, my dad's dad was gay. Um, my mom's uh -huh. uncle is gay. Okay. Yeah. So it's and my dad's sister, my aunt, is gay. And so mm -hmm. I've always had an aunt okay. Karen and an aunt Ruthie that were married. You know. So like. Oh, that's yeah, wonderful. and they're great. And so it's like it just was nothing. It just was really nothing growing up, which is so unique because mm -hmm. I know that a lot of people um, have like this whole big coming out story, and it's like this whole thing, yeah. you know. And it just was seriously never a thing for me. It just wasn't, you know. Mm -hmm. And I. Um, I just, like, I don't know. I, like, I did tell my mom at one point, like, yeah, I think I like girls, too. And she was just like, okay, well, do you like a girl, like, right now? Specifically? Yeah, and I was like, yep. no. And she was like, why are you telling me this then? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I just thought you should know. You know, it was just, like, such a non-issue. Yeah, yeah. um, and I'm, I'm so lucky, like, that that, is, yeah. that that was my experience. Because that's not everyone's experience, mm -hmm. as, we, as we know. Um, yeah. And so it's just always been like a non-issue. And, and I think that mm -hmm. um, whenever I do encounter um, people that aren't accepting, it's like this huge shock for me. Like, I just don't, like, it's yeah. not, it doesn't make sense in my head. And I'm like, I don't, I don't understand what's happening right now, <laughs> you know, because that's just not mm -hmm. how I was brought up, um, which is like so wild, but mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, um, but also growing up, you were talking about like uh, how the kids didn't really understand that like your parents weren't married. Mm -hmm. Was there a similar thing or similar reaction to you growing up or were they, were your peers also like, oh, that's fine. No, Morgan I think it was fine. I kind of kept it more quiet, I think around my peers okay. until, um, until I was in college. And then it was like okay. one of those things where I was like, this is me, here I am. You know, I never, I never dated girls mm -hmm. when I was in high school. Um, mm -hmm. which is, it's actually very hard to date girls if you're a girl when you're in high school because you don't know who's gay and who's not. So yeah. um, mm -hmm. it's like impossible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, um, and then when I was in college, I came out, you know, basically just by saying I'm dating this girl now. And a lot of my friends were yeah. like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And I was like, all right, sweet. <laughs> so, 
That was good. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's always the, I think, I think, as an outside observer to mm-hmm. that, that's always the most, like, positive and also funny yeah. way of, like, yeah, that's, we know. Yeah, exactly. It's okay. It was like, yeah, exactly. Like, we're not surprised by this at all, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, going off of kind of what you said, um, I was listening to an episode of Cameron Esposito's podcast with Gabby Dunn, mm-hmm. and they were talking about how female straight female relationships are so odd like you'll shower together and you'll cuddle but like where's the line Mm -hmm. um did you have any of that like you were speaking a little briefly about like in high school it's hard to tell who's gay and what who Mm -hmm. isn't is that did you encounter any of that sort of thing growing up or now yeah i mean i think so like there's always kind of this joke in the the lesbian community of like you know like oh straight girls and you like roll your eyes like because (laughs) like like and you know no offense to straight girls but yeah it is one of those things where it's like like yeah they'll be your best friend and and there's literally there's a tegan and sarah song about this that just came out um Uh and it's what is it called i can't remember but it basically it's saying like we're best friends and you treat me like your boyfriend but you don't want to be like you don't want to date me you know and so that's definitely something i've experienced is like basically Mm -hmm. they'll treat you like you know like you are dating in everything except for like the actual you know like physical aspect like there will be like a romantic relationship there more or less without calling Mm -hmm. it that um and that's always like it's one of those things where it's like you and i know that a lot of other um you know uh, queer women that have experienced this, you know, you get like stuck in this and you're like, oh crap, <laughs> you know, like, what yeah, have yeah. I done? <laughs> you know, it, it happened yeah. again. They got me again, basically. Yeah. Um, it's like, <laughs> it's like literally how we treat it. We're like, oh, come on, you know, like, not again. Yeah. So it's, um, <laughs> it's kind of a joke, but, you know, it, it has happened to me before where you are in a relationship with someone like that and then you're like, you're like, this is a little bit hurtful now, you know, because like you're treating me like so close like this and I want more and you know that and you're not gonna let it be like that. Not, and not Mm -hmm. that that, that's not like anybody's fault because like you feel how you feel, but it's also like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, it's just like this weird double-edged sword because it's like you shouldn't treat people like that and yet somehow you can get away with it. Um, So that's always like a hard thing and I've definitely experienced that, but luckily not anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And I would ask, does that has that negatively impacted like your mental health? Have you gotten like really really anxious about stuff? Because I know when I want to be with someone and I can't, I get really really anxious and hung up mm-hmm. about it. Um, I don't really get anxious, so and I'm okay. like, <laughs> yeah, I just get like. Well, good for you. Fine. <laughs> I know. I get it. <laughs> I know my wife gets really bad anxiety and like, and I'm you know obviously I'm like really supportive and stuff, but then she gets mad sometimes because I'm just like, no, this doesn't bother me at all. And she's like, how? Yeah. How does it not bother you? <laughs> you know um i'm more like i'm on the depression spectrum you know and so i'll just get into those like self-deprecating like yeah everyone hates Mm. me nothing is worth anything Mm. you know this is the worst Mm. so um but yeah i mean i think so yeah like it makes you feel bad about yourself right i think most people would um and you know i think that um yeah i mean because then you wonder like well did i do something wrong like am i like a bad person you know and i think that maybe for someone that does experience depression i do feel those thoughts a little bit more deeply than other folks might you know but Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to answer your question, yes. <laughs> okay. Um, and I wanna I wanna get to your experience and everything in a, in a minute, but I wanna say this before I forget or ask this. Rather, mm-hmm. um, how do you you said you your wife has really bad anxiety? How do you help her cope and how do you support her? Just so people know some tools and that sort of thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, I mean, I think it helps that I am so easygoing. So it's like, okay, you're having Mm -hmm. an anxious day, that's fine. You know, this isn't going to ruin our day. We're gonna, you know, we can deal with this now instead. You know, like, because I think that um, when someone is feeling particularly anxious, Another thing that compounds on it is like, well, I don't want this to ruin anyone else's day. Like, this is my own burden to bear or something like that. I, do you relate with yeah. that? It, um, but, yeah. um, you know, so so it's one of those things where it's like you really have to just kind of be easygoing about it and say, okay, well, that's fine. This is what we're going to deal with. Mm. And it's not, you know, whatever else that we might have had planned, it can wait because it really doesn't matter. You know, what, what mm-hmm. matters is feeling comfortable and like, okay with yourself. So, you know, like, I remember one time we were out at dinner and she was, you know, feeling really anxious and we were out with a bunch of people. Um, Not a great situation for someone with anxiety. And so, um, you know, and she had to go outside. And so, and she went and I didn't go at first, but then she was outside for a long time. So I was like, oh, because I just wanted to give her a space. So then I went out and I was like, you know, are Mm -hmm. we good? Is everything okay? And then, you know, she was like, well, now I'm ruining dinner. And I was like, not, no, I mean, not really. Like, (laughs) we'll just sit here for as long as we want. Like, it's okay. It doesn't matter, you know? So just, I mean, like it's tempting when someone has anxiety to be like, well, your fears are unbiased. Like you're being ridiculous, you know, like that's tempting. But like, they know that usually, you know, they're like, yes, I know that I shouldn't feel this way about this, but I still do. So it's usually one of those things where it's like, you know, whatever happens, like I'm here with you and we'll just figure it out and we'll just roll with the punches basically. Um, And I think that that's something that really helps. And going, this is like a little bit intense, but we were just talking about this the other day. Um, when she was going through a really bad anxiety spell, like she's, you know, better now, but, um, you know, because it comes in waves, but she's going through a really bad time. And she had asked me at one point, and I didn't remember this, like remember saying this, but it's just like how my mind works. And so she brought it up and um, she had asked me at one point, like, well, what if it gets so bad I can't function and I can't, like, I can't leave the house, I can't do anything. And apparently I said to her, well, that's okay. There's a mental hospital down the street and we'll just go there and we'll get help. And like, and and just like this offhand, like, well, that's fine. But it really made her feel better, she told me, because like I had a plan in place. And I was like, if things get really bad, we know where the hospital's at and that's what we'll do. And so I guess kind of just assuring that person that you do have a plan in place so that no matter what they Mm -hmm. say, like you'll be there to take care of it. Um, I guess not, not solving their problems, but just being like, we have a plan, so it's okay. Like I have a plan and I'll take care of it. So um, it was funny she brought that up and I was like, I don't remember saying that to you, but I'm glad that it helped. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but uh, yeah, so that's, I mean, yeah. I think that that's really just, you gotta just really be able to just roll with it, honestly. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and when did you start first, ex- you know, oh, sorry. When did you first start um, experiencing like symptoms of depression? Was it in college when you were trying to figure your stuff out mm-hmm. or was it earlier than that? I mean, sometimes I think about it and I think that 
it's just always been like that. And then maybe I was able to learn the words to describe it. Like, I think that mm-hmm. I always felt like a little bit different or like, I don't want to say less than, cause that's like so like awful to say to myself, but, um, but something like that, you know, like different, like I don't experience the world the same way as everyone else. Um, and, and I started getting the words to define that in high school. Um, high school was not fun or easy for me. I didn't like it at all. Um, and, but I survived and that was fine. But, um, Mm -hmm. it was one of those things where I remember I would just like drive, like be driving to, you know, my job or something and just be like Mm -hmm. chanting to myself. I'm so depressed. I'm so depressed. I'm so depressed. (laughs) Yeah. And just being like, what am I going to do? Yeah. It was like so bad. (laughs) And so like, you know, but it was like, but I, you know, I got through it probably not in the most healthy way because when you're in mm-hmm. high school, like you're more prone to self-medicate. And so, um, mm-hmm. you know, and so I would, you know, drink a lot on the weekends and, and with friends and stuff like that. Um, and then in college, you know, it, it did get worse. College wasn't a good, like, it was a good experience, but it wasn't a good environment for my mental health, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I didn't actually get professional help until I moved back down to Phoenix to go to culinary school. Um, and that yeah. was a huge step. Yeah. And so I'd been already dealing with this for years before I actually went to a doctor about it. Um, mm-hmm. So that was really intense. And what was your experience like with uh, medical professionals? Was it a therapist? Was it a psychiatrist? So I've never seen a therapist. Um, okay. Not for lack of trying, but it is actually really hard <laughs> to see a therapist. Yeah. Um, yeah and so, and so I just haven't done it. I haven't been able to. And so um, I. Um, And I guess for those people that might be listening that are like, don't understand that, I guess to explain is like, you have to find someone that has availability, right? And then you have to wait until the actual appointment happens. And usually that's like several weeks. So there's plenty of time to chicken out. Um, And then if you go to the appointment, you meet the therapist and like they suck or something like that, Mm -hmm. you know, and you don't get along with them at all, which I haven't even made it that far, but I know people that have. And so it's really hard to find a therapist. but just I, when I first sought help, I went to my um, my general uh, practitioner, and he mm-hmm. was like really weird. But at least he prescribed pills for me, so that was good. Yeah. Um, you know, and he gave me a prescription, and I started taking medicine, and everything helped. But then, um, so then when I switched doctors, um, I I have a GP that I really like now, and um, she said like straight up when we first met, she said I can. Um, manage this for you but at some point you're gonna have to go see a psychiatrist because I can't Mm -hmm. manage it forever and I was like okay that's fine you know so Mm kind of having a time limit um, gave me like a kick in the pants to go see an actual mental health professional um, that Mm -hmm. can really troubleshoot with me so I have a really good psychiatrist that's able to to troubleshoot if things aren't aren't going well and um, you know really help out um, in that regard Mm-hmm. So I really like the phraseology of troubleshooting because it does kind of infer that like it's an error or a 
or a virus not even necessarily a virus but like it's a system error yeah <laughs> you know well, and you, you go to the blue screen of death and it is just like a, a depressed death yeah exactly blue. yeah yeah so well i mean um, i was on the same the same medication for a really long time and then it just yeah. stopped working so then it was like i went to the doctor and i was like why did it stop working <laughs> you know and so then we just changed sure, yeah. it and that was it you know so it was like well let's try mm-hmm. something else you know and that's mm-hmm. what happens i think sometimes people get upset because they're like oh my medication isn't working anymore like i'm so broken well like not really like sometimes you just have to change it up a little bit and that's okay yeah so yeah you you build immunity yeah to that's it. what it seems like right like i don't yeah that's yeah so but yeah, it's kind of like any or sort of like other i feel like any other drug too is like eventually it's going to be less potent mm-hmm. and you're going to have to switch at least brands yeah exactly you know? yeah yeah. I mean, they say that with antibiotics, uh, like you can't have too much at one time or something. So it stands to reason mm-hmm. that other drugs would work similarly. I'm not a doctor. Yeah. I have no idea what I'm talking <laughs> about, but I don't know. Um, yeah. Um, and you were talking a little bit about like self-medicating and and how did you realize that's what you were doing and how did you get yourself out of that situation, if I may ask? Um, I mean, I think... I realized that because I was majoring in psychology when I went to college. <laughs> okay, sure, sure. So, that makes sense. Like, you got to the chapter on, like, dependency, and you're like, oh, no. Yeah, I was like, this is oh, me. Oh, no. God. So, um, I mean, honestly, I mean, I'm not, like, I'm not a stupid person, you know? So, like, I knew I was, like, doing sure. something wrong. So, but, like, but it was, like, really a kick in the pants of, like, like learning about it in class and that mean like oh this is not great you know um Mm -hmm. and it sucks sometimes because sometimes you know you know that what you're doing is not the right thing to do and it is wrong and then you're just like i'm just gonna do it anyway because i don't care Mm -hmm. you know and so it was a lot of that for a long time as well where it was like i know this is wrong but i'm just gonna keep Mm -hmm. doing the wrong thing so yeah um right yeah, and I, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, sorry, I don't know if you that. had something to add to that. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh well, I think Go. to answer your other question, like how did I get out of that, is um, yeah, yeah, like assuming more responsibilities. I guess like like once I started, um, you know, getting into a serious relationship with my wife, who was you know my girlfriend at the time, and we moved in together. Well, when you live with some, like a significant other, you can't really do that kind of stuff. You know, it's like not possible and then um you know and then it was like we you know she expects me home at a certain time which is like just part of being Mm -hmm. like mutually respectful to each other and then like you know and now we we own a house together and we have pets and so we have to be able to pay the bills and so i have to have like a real person job which requires me to wake up at a certain time and things like that so um Mm -hmm. you know it's like the more Responsive. You became an adult. Yeah, right? And so, yeah. and I mean, and that's like, not to say like some adults still do what they want to do, I guess. But yeah, I mean, like the more responsibilities you take on, like the less time you give yourself to like fuck off and do the bad stuff. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, something like I think we talked a little bit about before, like of like painting yourself into a corner mm-hmm. and, like, and making yourself do stuff, holding yourself Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I absolutely empathize with the, like, knowing that it's not the right thing. Mm -hmm. And at least for me, and I don't know that this was true for you, of, like, thinking, like, you deserve to 
be morally dubious and to not do the right thing because you're a bad person. Yeah, yeah. I can relate to that. That feel yes, yeah. absolutely. And and you know, and it's like you know it's not true, but you like trick yourself into thinking those things, you know, mm -hmm. which is really unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. It is weird like self-destructive behavior is like the the penultimate version of self-pity. It's really mm -hmm. interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. Um going kind of theming wise like how does your like you're on medication now so i assume things are better but i assume mm -hmm. you have worse days than not mm -hmm. and now that you know i have two questions regarding that now that you know what's going on and you're managing with medication and then how do you deal with it and also how does your um your wife respond to mm -hmm. it and how does she support you? She's a dream. Like, I, <laughs> oh my God. Like, and we're, like, and you know, I was talking about her having anxiety and stuff, and I'm really mm -hmm. good to her about that. And so she just returns it, you know, tenfold. Mm -hmm. You know, so she's really sure. good to me about everything that I have to do and, and go through. And so, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, medication helps. And then for me, I mean, it wasn't working for a little bit. And so mm -hmm. I recently had to go through a change in medication, which mm -hmm. was the worst, um, yeah. because you have to get off of the one that you've been on and then everything hits you full force. Um, and then mm -hmm. also you have, um, uh, oh, what am I trying to, withdrawal symptoms, which mm -hmm. are like not good, which like the withdrawal symptoms of depression medication is like feeling the depression extra bad. And so mm -hmm. it like wasn't fun um, to have to change medication. And so that was like a three month period that I had to go through recently. Um, it took forever and it sucked. And, um, you know, there were some, and luckily the job I was at, which I'm not anymore, but the job I was at was like very understanding as well. So like I could just call in the morning and be like, it's not happening today, sorry, <laughs> you know, and then they'd yeah. be like fine with it. Um, and so, you know, there were some days where I would just be like, I can't go. I can't go to work. I can't do anything. Mm -hmm. I just have to be in bed for 14 hours today and that's going to be it, you mm -hmm. know? And, um, and every time I pull something like that, um, I'm surprised at my wife's reaction, which is just understanding and compassion and what do you need, you know, like, and so, and her, her, like, I want to say new thing, but it's like maybe in the last like six to seven months, she'll just like bring me a coffee <laughs> and she's mm -hmm. like, well, I know you probably need caffeine. And I'm like, this is great. Like, I don't have to ask. And you know that that's like something I need for self care, you know? And so, mm, um, that's love, it, right? <laughs> that's love. It's, that's the real thing. It really is. It's so special that she, you know, like, so she knows, you know, what my needs are, um, even if I don't know what they are. Mm. And, um, and she just lets me do what I need to do. And then sometimes she'll be like, okay, you know, you've had two days worth of laying in bed for 14 hours a day. Like, what are you going to do on the third day? Like, let's talk about yeah. this and gently like nudge me to be like, the mm -hmm. house is a wreck and you need to clean, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, she's very, it's just like, just endlessly supportive. Like it just surprises me every time. It's just, it's crazy. Um, it's, it's so special. Um, and I'm so thankful and I would do the same thing for her. So, um, but yeah, I mean, but things are good right now and I know that they're not going to be forever. You know, there might be a time, I mean, I can hope, but there might be a time in the future mm. when things are bad again. Um, you know, but I'm not, I guess I don't worry about it too much because I know that like we can handle it. Um, yeah. and so that's, that's really good. Uh, that's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's really, really, that's really lovely. Oh, thank you. Um, mm -hmm. Has, 
your mental state at any point affected how creative you could be and the things you want to do because you're a very busy person you're very interested like interested in a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. has the depression just put a halt to that and how did that if so how did that make you yeah no absolutely because like my default state is like i have to be busy um and so when i have to lay in bed for 14 hours because like my mental health won't let me do anything else like i'm Mm -hmm. pissed you know, like for yeah. lack of a better term, like because there are so many things that I feel like I could be doing. And so um, like my my friends uh, always have to remind me that like, no, that's OK. <laughs> like you can stop mm-hmm. for two seconds, you know, which is it's nice that people remind me that. Um, but um, it absolutely does, because there's also like sometimes there's a limit to how much I can handle within a certain you know period of time before I just kind of like collapse from exhaustion um, you know and and have to take a whole day off Um, and so yeah I mean absolutely and then other times like you know I'll I'll take on a project or something and you know I'm gonna do this new dance I have to sew the costume and whatever Mm -hmm. um, you know give myself a deadline and then I'll end up having to like abandon it for whatever reason because like I just physically cannot um, you know take that on anymore and so um, it is pretty frustrating sometimes Um, and so I just have to I have to learn to be patient with myself and forgiving because like my natural reaction is to just completely trash myself over it and say, Mm -hmm. you know, well, you're never going to get anything done. You're never going to amount to anything because you couldn't finish this one project or whatever. And so, um, which is silly. And so then what helps is, you know, just trying to think of like, well, here's all the things I have accomplished, like dumb, depressed brain. Like this is everything I have done. So what, you know, Mm. um, but yeah, it's uh, it's hard, and so. But I think that um, I think that as far as like trying to work with my creative process, um, that's really all it is. Is like I'm still like always going through stuff in my head. Like I don't ever really, not often, experience blocks. It's just like a matter of like, can I physically mm. handle it? Um, is usually the problem. So, um, and it's hard to have like my mind feel so busy when. I just can't do anything about it. Um, yeah, it's like so frustrating. <laughs> so, um, yeah. but yeah, just lying there going, I have a thousand things yeah. I could be doing yes. and I can't get up. Yep. Yeah. Um, it sounds like, and I kind of, and I'm not a psychiatrist or psychologist, <laughs> but I kind of have noticed that there's this trend of like there's either um, passive or active depression, mm-hmm. and it feels like because like. For when when I'm feeling bummed out, I generally don't like need a bunch of sleep, and I don't spend a lot of time in bed. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I need to distract myself, otherwise I'm gonna, you know, um, hurt myself in some way yeah. or feel actively bad about myself. Yeah. And it sounds more like you have a catatonic sort of state. Mm-hmm. But have you ever experienced the other side where you're like, I need to do something about how terrible I feel? Have you ever? I don't experience that. I don't think so. I think that like just because my natural state is to just just be doing stuff anyway that like sure. Yeah, like I think it's it is more of like a paralyzing thing for me, which like mm-hmm. which like sucks. Like yeah, no, I can't really distract myself from it. It's like I just have to stop and just be done for, you know, however long until I can just hit that reset button and keep going. Um yeah. So that would be nice <laughs> to go do something else, but I think because my yeah. default is to be doing stuff, I can't can't do it when 
what I want to the most, I think. Yeah. And I mean, I think the advantage of the catatonic sort of depression is you're too depressed to even, like, commit any sort of self-harm, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You're like, I can't get up. How am I going to kill myself? <laughs> right? Like, yeah. <laughs> that's like, at least thing. I'm safe just laying here in bed. <laughs> it's like so bad. Which is, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, which is why one of the main, like, people, like, really criticize this for antidepressants. Of like, what are the main symptoms of, like, or side effects, rather, of getting on new antidepressants is like wanting to kill yourself Uh but it's one of those things of like or attempting to and it's one of those things of like no what it happens is it makes you motivated to do the things you weren't gonna do (laughs) and one of the things you weren't gonna do (laughs) is kill yourself and that's it's kind of like a weird catch-22 you have to power through that point yeah um but um, but yeah, um, it sounds like you have a really, really good support system. And do your friends also, as well as your wife, like, are they, like, they know and they're like, yeah, okay, Morgan's sad now. Let's <laughs> go get her some soup. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm very lucky to have a good support system. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's funny because it took me a long time to, to get there. Um, from, Mm -hmm. you know, being in denial to how I was feeling to self-medicating and not talking about it to taking medication. And now I'm on a podcast talking about my mental health, you know, like this is like, you know, so it's, um, because there is such a stigma, I think. And so I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's always been one of those things where I felt like, um, I couldn't talk about it or I would be judged if I talked about it. Um, so Mm -hmm. being able to. I think by the time I opened up, or well, at least with my closer friends, by the time I opened up to them, we were already close friends, you know? So it was like one of those things where it's like, we already love you and, you know, we're gonna support you. And then that made me feel more comfortable, um, you know, just being able to talk about it with strangers, basically. Um, And Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, I think that, like, I am very grateful for my support system and, and being able to learn, like, use them to learn to open up with people um, has mm-hmm. been a really good experience. So now, you know, I don't really have too many qualms about talking about my mental health, um, mm-hmm. you know, because I've had practice, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So now I'm able to just like, you know, just just talk about it with anybody, um, which is good because like, I do feel strongly about the fact that like, there is such a stigma and people, um, you know, like, I don't know, like mental health still isn't taken as maybe as seriously as it should, I guess. Um, and yeah. so like, I feel like it's part, like partly my job to change that, I guess, by just like being super mm-hmm. casual about who I am and what I'm feeling and how I deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's kind of like, um, there's this thing Rhea Butcher said, um, she's a stand-up comedian. I don't know if you know her. Oh, I'm familiar. We've met. Okay. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. She's amazing. Yeah. I love her. I mean, we shook like, hands, now, but like I'm that sorry. was it. So now I can say that we've met. <laughs> mm, ideal. An ideal situation. Um, they're one of my favorite stand-up comedians. Mm-hmm. But uh, but uh, Rhea said in this, this interview of like being on stage is an inherently political act for her because it is like by virtue of being in a quote-unquote other yeah. in a few ways. I saw that. And it's one of those things of, like, that's sometimes enough, mm-hmm. too. I feel like a lot of people get really worried about representation and making sure the st- stories are being shared, which mm-hmm. is really important. But also by virtue 
of like a like a minority making a piece of art mm -hmm. it is about it because yeah. they made it yeah and and that's like I, I talk to my girlfriend a lot about this and um and she's black and what she keeps saying is like people seem to be interested in right now in stories that are about being black not necessarily stories by black people mm -hmm. where both are reflective and it's yeah like it's equally important and i think that's so going off of what you're saying like being casual about it is super important it normalizes it. yeah absolutely yeah in a really beautiful way and um on on that note i do want to thank you for sharing your oh, story and absolutely. being really open about it thank you yeah um um and people can find your podcast where what is it called um, i forgot to mention the name of it that's okay it's called academy outcasts um and it is anywhere that fine podcasts are found <laughs> um we're uh -huh. part of i have to plug this we're part of the scavengers network so you can also find Fantastic. us over there um mm -hmm. and um we are on what, on Twitter at Academy Outcasts mm -hmm. and Instagram at Academy Outcasts, um, mm -hmm. and I'm on Twitter at Morgan Spatola. It's S P A T O L A, um, mm -hmm. and that's pretty much it. Yeah, and then I just usually mm -hmm. post about all my other dumb stuff that I'm working on. So <laughs> <laughs> good. Yeah, good, good, good. and what are like quickly? What are the besides the dancing and the podcast? Is there anything else that you are doing? Oh my god, yeah. So I um so for Scavengers Network, I'm actually mm -hmm. uh doing a cooking show for them on YouTube now. Um, Amazing. Yeah. So so that's exciting because I'm not working in food anymore, but now I have a project about food. Um, so that'll yeah. be starting in July. It's called Taste Testers. Um, and mm -hmm. the the plug that someone gave me about it is it's like MythBusters but for food. So oh, that's amazing. what I'll that's what I'll leave you with. Um, and then what else? Um, I'm working on a uh, a story. I'm just calling it story right now, but hopefully it'll be done. And I want to try to publish it on. Um, on Kindle because you can do that mm -hmm. for free. So um, mm -hmm. it's going to be a romance novel um, because I just wanted to see if I could do it. So that's mm -hmm. like, <laughs> so we'll sure. see if that if that happens. I have plans for it, but um, you know, if I do finish it, I'll definitely post about it somewhere on the internet. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's it. That's everything I'm working on right now. So um, yeah. yeah, I have a. Two last little questions before sure. we left. Okay. Um, one, do you label yourself as an artist? Is that what you identify as? Or do you say creative person? Um, a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. um, I think when you say artist, people um, expect you to be an artist of just one thing. Sure. Um, and so I usually say I am a professional creative person. Um, that's mm -hmm. like kind of what I've started saying. Um, but I do think of myself as an artist um, and that did take a long time to get there. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, cause I used to say, oh, I just like to do these things as hobbies. And now I say, yeah. no, I, I make art um, mm -hmm. and I'm an artist because of that. So um, yeah, I mean, I have no problem saying that, but also like mm -hmm. I do so many things that sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm just a creative person, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's it, so. Um, a small comment on that answer. Mm -hmm. It seems like you're really in a very good, positive way, proud of who you are. And yes. Yeah, and that's really wonderful, and we need more people like that. So thank you. Thank I mean, that. it's taken yeah. way too long, so now I'm like flaunting it. <laughs> so. Um, my, my other question is, do you have any advice? 
for people who are going through depression mm. and how to fight it and that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, there's a big talk about self-care. So find out what you need to do mm -hmm. in order to care for yourself and then don't feel guilty about doing it. Um, so, you know, because when I have to lay in bed all day, yeah, I feel guilty about it, but then I have to remind myself that like, no, this is what I need. Like my body's telling me that this is what I need. And so I need to just embrace that. Um, so don't feel guilty about self-care, just do what your self-care is. And then also, um, I guess just practice talking about it because being able to not suffer alone is really important as well. Um, and that doesn't mean like just go flaunt your, your shit to everybody, but just find a few people that you can tell, <laughs> like this is something I deal with. I'm not asking for your help. I just wanted to let you know, you know? And so I think that mm -hmm. those are two things that, that are very helpful. Mm -hmm. I would agree. Um, and I wanna once again, thank you for being on this program and for a very good talk and i really appreciate thank you, you so up. much yeah i had so much fun thank you all right yeah, no problem